I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thank you for having me, Joe. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. I'm going to say this, and I've never meant it more than I mean it right now. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Here we are. This is this is so exciting. America's number one sports podcast. Mm-hmm. Live from my home. That's right. We are <laughs> in the same place. Now, how many times have we been in the same place at the same time? Okay, so we've done the same place. Here's the great thing. We did the same place in Cooperstown. Right. We did the same place at Wrigley Field. Right. Is that it? Did we do the same place in Los Angeles once or not? I don't remember, but I would like to believe that it's just Cooperstown Wrigley Field in your home. <laughs> That's that is basically it. We the are three, the three great cathedrals of modern <laughs> athletics. When you think of where have sports, you know, where sort do sports of, matter? Where do sports matter? Yeah. Cooperstown, Wrigley Field, my house. So let me let me paint the scene for you all. So I'm at Joe's house in Charlotte. Uh, it's actually, I'm not going to say a house. It's more of like an estate. Sure, sure. So just to give you some indication. So we're currently in the south wing of Joe's estate. There's a, there's a north wing that is sort of the grand entrance. So you drive up a driveway. It's about four miles long. 3.6 miles. You go into a sort of roundabout and there's an enormous fountain with a lot of statuary and there's, (laughs) and... Uh, a, a tuxedo gentleman comes and he says, "Will you be needing your car in the next few hours?" And if you, I said no, and he goes, "Okay, then I'll then I'll park it in the east lot." Yes, and yes. So we drove it off. That's what we like to lot. do. That. Yes. So then I was given a tour of the North Wing, and it's it's very beautiful. Everything is marble, and it's all um, it's all very grand. Did, did you did you see the stables? I did. Well, the, so I'm getting to that. So the North Wing tour took about 90 minutes. Right. Um, most of it is just opening, Joe opening doors and saying, I don't know what this room is. I've never <laughs> been in here. I don't know what this room is. So then we went to the we went to the East Wing, yes. which is mostly where the stables are right. and where the staff is housed. That's right. And the staff is how many? It's 41 full-time staff members. That's right. Well, and then, yes. And then about, say, 18 or 20 part-time. 21, usually. Well, this this time of season, obviously. Yeah, because it's there are fewer dinner parties yes. and fewer balls that you're throwing. <laughs> right. The West Wing, I was like, okay, great, let me see the West Wing. And he, he very, very sternly said the West Wing is off limits. <laughs> so I don't... The I don't West even, Wing is forbidden. I don't it know what forbidden. goes on there. So now we're in the South Wing, and the South Wing is, uh, is, is less grand, but still, it's probably, I would say... Rough estimate, sixteen bedrooms or so, same number of bathrooms. Lived in. It's like right. we. That's what we like to think of. There it are is. there are multiple kitchens and chefs' kitchens. There's a full. <laughs> some of the staff members are currently cooking dinner for us tonight. Right. And then out the backyard, this veranda, and there's 
I would call them cascading grounds. It's sort of like yeah. there's like a, yeah, probably fair. eight or ten acres, and then it goes down a level, and there's eight or ten more acres. That's right. Yeah. And from from the top of it, where the veranda is, you can see not only all of Charlotte, but like all the way to Chapel Hill. Yeah. Basically, yes. it's about a. It looks like a view about about a hundred miles. We are at the top of that. We are three thousand uh, feet above sea level. Is that what it is? Yeah, three thousand feet, which is. The second highest point in North Carolina. It makes sense. And when you tour the grounds behind the South Wing, there are these these rows of fountains like Versailles. Yeah. And as you walk past them, I don't know if it's motion sensors or what, but as you walk past them, they come to life and, and yes. they, they turn on. Well, we, we, it's a beautiful effect. Well, we had a couple of people from Vegas come in. Okay. You know, I sure. mean, that's, I mean, what the are you going to do? The Bellagio folks. The Bellagio folks came in <laughs> to set that up for us, obviously. It really obviously. is, it really is stunning. And kids, if you're listening out there, I mean, go into journalism because apparently <laughs> it pays very well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's been good to me. Let's just say. <laughs> It's been good to me. Mike is in town because um, he is on tour. This is crazy to me. You wrote a book. Yeah. You, no, you didn't say one word. I, no, I've told you this. No. I, I no. promise you. I'll Listen, I'm... I get a call from like your publisher. Right. And they say, hey, Mike is coming to town. Would you do this event with him? And I'm like, event for what? And they were like, for his book. And I yeah. said... He hasn't written a book. Now, I I was I figured this was going to happen, so I went and I combed through the podcast archives, <laughs> and I found it was uh, January thirtieth of two thousand twenty-one. Okay, about forty-three minutes in. Okay, I mentioned to you that I had written a book. I thought you said you that you knew somebody who had written. No, a book. I mentioned. I definitely mentioned it. I have the receipts, and I All can right. play it for you. And here's the thing: is You've never written a book, so you don't know. I listen. You're not I, familiar with these well, sorts of events. I, I'm fairly certain I told you I've written a book. <laughs> I'm think, fairly certain. I don't think you have. No, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Even though the sh- the bookshelf to my immediate right has <laughs> literally stacks and stacks of all of the books you've written. <laughs> yeah. So we did. So we did an event yesterday mm-hmm. in in Charlotte. Uh, he has been. You've been to both Duke and Chapel Hill. Duke and Chapel. Was there Hill. like a warring? Uh, you know, zone between well, those two. That foot, either that football game was yesterday. Wasn't yeah, no, it? it's UNC Duke. It's been this week. Yeah, yeah this past this, weekend. This weekend. And I don't know who won that game. I don't either. Didn't didn't look. <laughs> uh, but so, and it's Duke Parents Weekend, so there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of school spirit on display in both places, which was really nice. Look at that. NC won 35 was a thriller. It was a thriller. Look at that. Look at that fourth quarter. Wow. Duke almost came back. Duke, Duke almost came all the way back. Yeah, well, well was, it looks like Duke was up at halftime, though, 21-17. There was a lot of school spirit. It was very cute. Nothing is cuter to me than school spirit. Yes. Um, and I had a great time at both campuses. The folks treated me lovely, uh, very nicely, and I met a lot of very bright, young, future leaders of America. Sure. It was cool. And uh, tomorrow, Monday, I go to Wake Forest. Yes, very exciting. Which is also exciting. And then to New York uh, to round out the... Uh, the little fall mini tour that I'm on. So it's a it's a delightful little mini tour yeah, that you were on. Very so happy which is, to be here. Which is very exciting. So uh, because you were here yesterday and you did the event yesterday, um, we actually were we went to dinner last night mm-hmm. during the craziest baseball okay. game maybe of our the season day of our lifetime. Like like all things being equal, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know that you can have a crazier baseball day than the one hundred and one win 
Atlanta Braves getting knocked out. Like, pretty easily. By a Philadelphia team that last year would not have made the playoffs. Right. Like, never would have made the playoffs. They 89, were the, 89 wins. 87 wins. 87 yeah, wins. Yeah, six seed. They were, yeah. Yeah. So they were, they, were, they were the worst team in the National League to make the playoffs. They were the last team. 87 and 75. They would not have made the playoffs any other year. Right. In the history of baseball, other than, like, <laughs> strike years. And, and so they get knocked out. Right. And you're like, well, that's the craziest thing. But it's like the fourth craziest thing that happened yesterday. Right. So we, so I was in my hotel room watching the Mariners-Astros game. Right. And it was the ninth inning. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll see a walk-off. That would be exciting. There wasn't a walk-off. I, okay, I left. It was about 8 o'clock local time. I walked to this restaurant. We sat down. <coughs> Our friends, uh, Tom Haberstroh, yes. came. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, Jonathan Abrams, Jonathan a Abrams? friend of the podcast and author of many excellent books, was there. And our friend Tommy Tomlinson was there. It was, was a there. great group. And it was, it was really fun. And we had a big dinner. And we had a lot of Lee conversation. And then, like, two hours into the dinner, <laughs> I checked the score and the game was still being played. <laughs> and another, another entire baseball game had been played. An entire... The other games were coming to an end. And that game was still yeah. going on. Yeah. So that ended up being one nothing Houston in the bottom of the 18th when Jeremy Pena hit a uh, uh, a walk off home run. Well, it was the top. They were in. Seattle. Oh, it was top. top That's right. Eight. So it was not a walk off, but it was the game winning home run mm-hmm. in a game that the uh, Astros struck out 20 times and, and won. And won because the Mariners struck out 22. 20. Or was it reversed? No, the Mariners struck out 22. Yeah, times. the Mariners struck out 22 times and and the Astros struck out 20. Crazy. And that was not the craziest thing that happened yesterday, no, right? not even close. No. The the next level up, so you have the fourth craziest thing, Atlanta 101 team gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. The third craziest thing, 18-inning scoreless game in a playoffs, which has never happened before. It's, it's, it's A game it's, in which Jose Altuve went 0 for 8 with three strikeouts <laughs> and the Astros won. And the Astros won. Yeah. The second craziest thing that happened was the... The San Diego Padres... I think this is the craziest. No, because because I'm, I'm going to get to the craziest. Okay. All right. The San Diego Padres knocked off the Dodgers, which is the craziest thing that's happened this season. Yeah. Right? So that is that is a 111-win Dodger team that had the best run differential in 85 years. Top, top five regular season team of all time. Yes. Yeah. One of the greatest, truly greatest teams in the history of baseball. And they didn't even make it to game five. They got knocked out in four games. Went down fairly easily. Fairly like easily. Gla- glass jaw easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To a Padres team that is not that good. <laughs> you know, that was an 89-win Padres team. They beat that Padres team by 22 games in the division. Yeah. And, you know, and the Padres have, like, we know that. They have top-line star talent, right? They mm-hmm. have... They have uh, um, they have Soto. Soto. They've got Machado. Machado. They've got you Darvish. They've got Josh Hader. They've got like big name stars. Mm-hmm. But it was like a whole bunch of Cronenworths and Grishams. Jer- Jerks and Profars. <laughs> and Jerks and Profars. And, and that bullpen suddenly unhittable. That entire bullpen couldn't be touched. I So as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, our Preseason predictions are ninety eight point six percent accurate right. every That's year, right. and our postseason predictions are ninety nine point four four percent accurate. That's right. Uh, one of the things that we talked about 
and I don't remember offhand whether it was just you and me talking about it alone <laughs> on the phone or whether it was on a podcast. I'm hoping it was. I think it was. Was the fact that the Dodgers, even though they had won 111 games, were weirdly vulnerable yes. and had a weird question mark about them. Yes. And the question mark, and we talked about this before the season started when yep. we were making the the regular season predictions and before the playoffs. And the thing that I couldn't get over was the idea that this team was a little bit close to the 114 win, or 116, whichever it was, the Mariners. Yes, yes. Because they had, like, every starting pitcher they had was 16-1. and Yes. With a 235 (laughs) ERA. Right. But individually, if you matched up any one of those pitchers against the top line pitchers from some other team in the playoffs, you would go like, well, they seem about the same amount of good. Yes. And they have Mookie Betts and they have Trey Turner and they have uh, Freddie Freeman. But after that, you're like, well, Justin Turner is 37 right. and he's not what he used not to be. Not what he used to be. And Clay Bellinger still can't hit, he's, really. And, they, they didn't start him. And they didn't even they start, didn't start him. him. And Max Muncy is like... He's been has, hurt. He's been and, hurt. He, and he's Max Muncy. It's like that's, Well, he has like 25 home runs and he walks a, all the time. He's a good player. But you, I just kept looking at their lineup and thinking, like, well, they keep winning, but I don't 100% know how. Right. And then you get into this short series, like we always talk about in baseball, and suddenly, like, you get two really good starts from uh, from Musgrove, and, right. like, the series is over. Yeah, that's Because right. they can't hit. The Dodgers can't hit. They go cold, and... Then it's oh, and then all of this was for naught. For nothing. Yeah, I, I I agree. You you said it, and I think this is right. You looked at that Dodgers pure starting pitching, just as an example, and you say, okay, you're starting Urias in the first game. Yeah, and he matches up with anybody in baseball, but he doesn't beat anybody in baseball. He you beats know what I mean? Most people. No, but I'm saying when you look at the top teams, you have Garrett Cole against Urias. Like, okay. Maybe, maybe not. It's you like have Max fi- Scherzer against him. Eh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's a really, really great pitcher. A total ace. Right. But he's like one of seven. Right. Like, guys in the league. Okay. But that's your that's your number one, and you're like, great. Number two is Clayton Kershaw. Question and mark, it's like, question mark, question mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the game? Absolutely. Do I have complete faith in him in game two? Maybe not. I believe that we'll see what happens with Dave Roberts. I believe that the Dodgers should have held him back and pitched him in Game Three in San Diego. You would have rather than pitch at a big ballpark. I think they should have started Gonsolin in Game Two. I mean, once now that Walker Bueller's gone and Dustin May is gone, when those are your options, I kind of think that to just to, I know it seems crazy to think that Clayton Kershaw feels pressure, right? But I might have started Kershaw in Game Three on the road, in a in a very big ballpark. I mean, yep. not the Dodger Stadium small, but just don't have don't have the whatever the psychology is at play there. Even if it's one percent, and he didn't pitch badly. He was no, he three didn't. runs in five he, innings. He pitched. He and Darvish matched. Yeah, they matched. It was Basically, fine, they pitched about the same. I just wonder what what happens if you start Gonsolin in Game Two at home. Who had a, a ridiculous year? I know that no, some Dodger fans don't trust Gonsolin either. But that's maybe if you, if I point if I want to find a reason to be upset at Dave Roberts, that maybe is one reason I could point. Well, to. I think I think we've said it with with Kershaw. He pitched fine. Yeah, five innings, three runs. It's kind of what you think you're going to get out of him now. Yeah. Like that's kind of like that's your 
I'm not going to say that's your best case scenario, but it's one of your best case it's scenarios. It's a better, better than average case. <clears throat> it, yeah. yeah, and and look, that's just that's just age and wear and tear and all the injuries and and this late in the season. I mean, I just think I don't even think it's pressure as much as as just that's he's how good he is. Down, yeah. yeah. Then you go with Tony Gonsolin in Game Three, and you know he's been hurt and he's been beat up and yeah. it's been kind of weird. And you bring him in, and he did not really have it, and it was that didn't go that great. And, yeah. And then you went with Tyler Anderson in Game Four, and he was pitch well. He was really good, but he only goes five, and suddenly you're winning. You're up three one when he leaves the game. Yeah. And your bullpen can't hold it. He's up three nothing. Three nothing. That's yeah. right. That's I, right. And that's why like Gonsolin seems like a little bit of a mirage, and I would rather give him the benefit of the home crowd energy to like keep his mirage working as long (laughs) as possible but again look these are these are i mean but but i think the point you're making is is right which is where whether you can second guess them or not it's not relevant it's they're question marks yeah like you said something uh i think you were the one that said something in the last podcast or maybe it was just we were talking about the astros and we were talking about Dusty and how Dusty's been here before a million times. Mm-hmm. And you said, not to insult Dusty, but just basically to say it, I kind of think this Astros team is idiot-proof. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's a way for him to screw it up. Nope. They might not win, but it's not like like everything is there and it's either going to work or it's not, but it's yeah. there. The last vestige of... of um idiot non-idiot proofing that exists in baseball is gone now which is double switches and taking right. pitch and pinch hitting for pitchers right. right when that went away when it's a universal dh and you have the roster that the astros have <laughs> the starters the bullpen the the hitters Everybody. the infielders the Cross outfielders the now you make the lineup and you sit there and you watch it unfold yeah. more than anything and that doesn't mean there aren't decisions about when to pull guys of or whatever course there of are course. but the last time that that an idiot could ruin a playoff series predates the current administration out of all these teams by a significant amount because dusty baker can't do what grady little did in 2003 right which is either play old school ball and say i trust this guy to blah 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 <laughs> he can't really do that anymore because the team the teams don't play that way anymore right. no one goes eight innings at all no, no. and you can't do what like Tony Larusa would sometimes do, which was pinch hit for your starter who's cruising in the fourth inning, right. With one out and a runner on first, because <laughs> you just, that's the thing that you have decided is like the will display your genius. Yeah. Like so now, well, and also the other side of that, the other part of it is, you were like, like who is it there for him? To be overly loyal right. to. They're all great. They're all good. They're all great. It's not like you'd be overly loyal to Justin Verlander. I mean, Verlander right. is going to win the Cy Young this year. Like, right. he's the best pitcher in baseball. And so now what you have is a Dodger fan base that has won, what have they won, 10 or 11 straight division yes. titles, except for the one year they lost by one game, but won 106 games. Right. And then beat the Giants anyway. <laughs> it didn't matter. You have that team who is now almost, ex- it's eerie how similar this is. They are the Atlanta Braves. Yes. Right? Because the Braves in that whole run won one World Series. That's right. And it was in the strike-shortened 95 That's season. Right. That's the right. The Dodgers 
11 straight, whatever it is, won one World Series in the COVID-shortened 2020 season. Yeah. They are, it, it, is, it is weird yeah. how parallel those situations are in every single year. And now the Dodgers have a bunch of decisions to make yep. because Trey Turner is, is a free agent. They'll have two weeks to negotiate with him and keep him if they want it, but he's probably gone. Clay Bellinger is has one more arbitration year, and they might Cody. just a uh, Cody. I keep saying Clay. They could just release him, or they could trade him, or they could give him twenty million dollars to hit two hundred and play good defense and like, play yeah, very good they, defense. Yeah, I, was like, I don't Although think you do that. Trace Thompson played very good defense yes, last he did. night. Yes, and he costs did. a lot less money. <laughs> uh, they have Kershaw, who's going to decide on his own terms whether he's coming back or Absolutely. not. Absolutely. Justin Turner is is very old very and old. has as a core of the team but I don't know that you can pay that guy no. to come back again like this and they have plenty of young talent they're still going to be great I'm sure they'll still win 100 games but this feels like the window on this core closed last night. Well, you you win 111 games. I mean, the window is wide open, you know, and suddenly in it's theory, over. Yeah, but like... But, who, the, but I don't think they're idiot-proof. That's to me, was the yeah. difference. I don't think... Like, this team was... Like, there were decisions to make that you... Maybe he made the right choices. Maybe he made the wrong ones. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. But it was like... Ah, what do you do with Bellinger? What do you like? The Astros don't seem to have any no, of that. That and that's why they're probably going to win the World Series. The one thing I'll say about the Dodgers is, I as as angry as everybody's going to be at Dave Roberts for whatever reason, you a manager can't make a team hit, and no. they just stopped hitting. Yeah, like they they, Mookie Betts didn't hit, and when Mookie Betts doesn't hit, the team doesn't score. Yeah. So I don't know how you can blame him for this. I really don't. I'm sure they will. They might make a change. This might be it. They might say like. We we need a different voice what, in the clubhouse what or something. A, what a career for a guy to get fired! I, I mean, know. The, the, hey, one hundred eleven games. Thanks for your work. Goodbye. I mean, the one thing you can say is he did not Grady Little it. Like no, there isn't anything no. they can point to. No. But they might just say we need a new mojo in the locker room or whatever. But I just don't know what you can say. What part of this you can ascribe to the manager when the team stopped hitting? They yeah. couldn't hit anybody. They couldn't. Mookie bet the only. They were two players who hit for them. Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman did okay. Yes, did pretty well. Trey Turner out sort of weirdly bad defensively. He was not good series, defensively in which the series. Is insane. That's right. Yeah. But but Will Smith came up in a, in a bases loaded scenario last night with nobody out and got a sack fly yep. and it felt like a relief <laughs> that they got one run, which yeah. is all they ended up getting because then Muncie comes up and strikes out and looks terrible and. Turner struck out in big spots. Absolutely. Didn't even put the ball in play. And what you saw last night from the Padres was when they came up, they put the bat on the ball yeah. and the ball leaked through the infield or they they got hits, man. And the Dodgers just simply didn't. They were so many moments in this series where the where Dodgers hitters came up with runners on second and third and one out or runner on third and nobody out or whatever and struck out. And didn't even like get the chance for the runner to have a contact play. It's a hundred percent true. I, the the crazy thing about that Padres lineup was that was supposed to be a super top heavy lineup, right? But you were watching that lineup, other than Will Myers, who looked like he was a Dodger, like the way he yeah. was hitting, right? Yeah. It's like Profar had come up, and Profar's not good, and you're like, oh, they, Profar could hurt you, right? Yeah. And Trent Grisham had come up. Trent Grisham was as bad a hitter as there was in baseball this yes. year. 
And he's like, oh, Trent Christian could hurt you. And he did. And then Austin Nola would come up. Yeah. And you're like, Austin Nola's not even the good Nola. The five-run rally last night started with Profar working a walk from Tommy (laughs) Canley. And he doesn't walk. He doesn't walk ever. (laughs) And then Grisham and Nola. It was the the three guys who scored the three runs to tie the game were the seven, eight, nine hitters in the Padres lineup, that's supposed to be what the Dodgers do. Yeah, that's right. And that's what's so well, the, weird about this series. That's what was so weird. And by the way, Profar walked 73 times this year, so let's uh, oh. let's give it up to, to Jerickson Profar. Jerickson, we apologize. We do. You, you don't deserve that. <laughs> no, but that's literally what you thought is like, oh, Muncie, Turner even at this age, um, Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux, you're like, these guys are good enough, they can hurt yeah. you, and none of them did. None of them none, did. Chris Taylor... Is broken. Chris man. Taylor's broken. He's broken, man. I They've mean, got that's... a bunch of broken hitters, though. Yeah. Bellinger, Cody, not Clay. Yep. Bellinger's has been broken for two or three he years really has. now. Yeah. Um, Turner is kind of broken. Muncie's a little bit broken. Chris Taylor's definitely broken. He's fully broken. That... And even Lux is broken. Lux since... Lux was the bummer because Lux secretly was one of their best hitters in the second half. Yeah. He had a great second half. And I was like, this the Dodgers are so lucky. They've got this guy who's so young, locked in or whatever. <laughs> And then he gets to the playoffs. Did he? What did he do? He had a 538 OPS in the playoffs. Yeah. Like he didn't do anything. But Bellinger had a 286 OPS. 286 OPS. Taylor had a zero OPS. He only had three at bats. But like, no, I think he had more than three at bats. Oh, did I, he? I, yeah, I think. Well, that's... all of all of those guys, including the the world's greatest living human being, Mookie Betts, stopped hitting. Yeah. In over four games, none of them hit. None of those guys did anything remotely good. And that is why they lost. And you can, if you want to get angry at someone, you want to get angry at Dave Roberts, go ahead. It's not his fault. They just didn't hit. Seven at bats for Chris Taylor, five strikeouts, and no hits. Uh, yeah. The, the entire, but look, Mookie hit 143. You cannot get a 492 OPS for Mookie Betts and, no. and, and hope to, no. to win. And, and you know, it, that's the way it is. Anyway, I do believe that that was the second craziest thing <laughs> that happened in the day. Okay. All right. So we, we've gone through. So four. Is the 101 win Braves getting really crushed? A very crazy thing to have happen. Yeah, yeah. crushed by the Phillies. Yeah. Number three is an 18 inning, uh, one nothing, double one game. nothing game where neither team scored for 17 innings and struck right. out a million times. The second craziest thing to happen was uh, the 111, 111 win Dodgers. Dodgers getting knocked out of the playoffs because they couldn't hit. And to me, the number one thing. The Yankees go into the ninth inning against a Cleveland team that cannot hit. Their whole team is the Dodgers in this series. <laughs> That's right. That's how they are the whole year. Yeah. Like, they like they cannot hit. I, I, I put in, I, I have not looked this up yet, but I believe that the uh, Guardians, the first team in baseball history, to finish sixth in the league in runs scored when uh, – they only have one player who hit all year. <laughs> they have one player who, who can hit. Who had a hit the yeah. entire season yeah. in Jose Ramirez. So they go into the ninth inning up 5-3, and then miracle after miracle. Okay, wait. Before you get into the miracles, the New York Yankees in their long and storied history yes. are 167-0 and zero. when leading by multiple runs in the ninth inning That's of the right. playoff game. That's They've right. never lost 167 wins and zero losses. Zero. And you can you can understand why. You look at the great closers they've had through the years. Sure. And and you can understand that they're... And most of the time they're up by whatever, however many runs. So 
they go into the ninth inning. So the first miracle that happens is <laughs> Aaron Boone decides he is not gonna he's not gonna bring his closer. Yeah, he's just decided he's not available. Well, and it's un- there was a debate about whether or not he was available. Right. Holmes said he was. Boone said he wasn't. Yes, he had some arm problems, some other injury problems. Holmes did say though I could have pitched. Yes, and Holmes was kind of ticked he off. He was a little mad, yeah. <laughs> he was a little ticked off. And so, but side note, and this is a weirdly a thing that they have in common with the Dodgers. The Yankees won 99 games, Dodgers won 111, but weirdly going into the playoffs there was a like who's closing for this team? Yeah, no, it was because weird. Because Holmes's first half he was he was utterly unhittable, unhittable. In the second half he was very hittable and yes. it was not 100% clear that he was in fact straight up the closer of right. the team. That's right. No, but, nobody, they were like going in with no closer, and but he was their closest thing. Yeah. And he was the one guy in the bullpen who, if for any stretch of time, was, the was closer. dominant. Yeah. Right. And a dominant closer right. as he was. So he was ready to go. They did not go to him. Instead, they started with Wandy Peralta. Um, who's been good. Who's good. He's who's good. good. And he got the first out. And then this is what happened. Okay. So in order. Okay. Miles Straw. One of the worst hitters in baseball. One of the worst hitters in baseball who has zero home runs. Zero home runs this year. Hits a like a fly ball to left field. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the the Yankees left fielder uh, was Oswaldo Cabrera. Right. He was like playing like him on the warning track or something. Like I like I don't know what yeah. he was doing. I guess it was like no doubles uh, defense or something. It was a no homers defense. <laughs> <laughs> against the guy with zero home runs. Yeah. He got a bad jump on the ball and he and he dived for it and it like landed like a foot in front of his glove. Right. Okay, he doesn't get it. So that's a single. But then in a delightful fashion. Wonderful. Isaiah Kinder Falefa goes over and picks the ball up and like kind of just like mindlessly flips it back to the infield yeah. to nobody. Right. To nobody. And Straw's watching it. And one thing Straw can do is run. run. He can run real fast. He just goes to second. He's yeah. like, that's great. You guys want... So it's a double. The worst double in the history of baseball. The saddest double. <laughs> the old cliche is it looks like a line drive in the box score. That one somehow no. doesn't. Even in the box score, when you look at it, it's like, what was that, a fly ball? Like, and then the, In the official <laughs> box score, it says, Straw doubles to left, parentheses, it wasn't hard hit. It wasn't hard hit. It was a pop-up. <laughs> and then the shortstop played a horrible play on it. So so that's so man on second, but they're still up two runs. Right. Then Stephen Kwan comes in. Who's a good hitter. And Stephen if, Kwan is might, the delight. You might remember, those of you who pay attention closely to the sport, that in the first month of the year, remember he came out in his first month he of his rookie year. He was incredible. He was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah, he had like five hit games yeah. like yeah, back to back to back. He was like back, 20 back. for his first 22 <laughs> in the majors. So he's pretty good. And, yeah. he, and he puts the ball in play. That's what he does. So uh, he takes a uh, a Wandy Peralta uh, fastball and he kind of half swings it and bloops it to left field. The check swing. The check, check swing. swing. It wasn't even a check though. It looked more like, like a, a a little like, like he a, threw the bat. He at threw it, the right? bat at it. Yeah. yeah, and and bloops it to left for a base hit. Which, by the way, reminds me, it's so it's such a uh, a great thing when you're like you like you're you're aiming for their weaknesses, right? Yeah. Like 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 their weakness is that left side. Just keep hitting it over there. So now there are runners on first and third, mm-hmm. and the winning run is coming to the plate. In in the uh, in the body of Ahmed Rosario, who I love and have always loved, you love Bra- him? I've loved this dude. Yes. I've been on this for a long time. He's great. Yeah. He's wonderful, and he's such a 
joy. Yeah. Like, he plays the game with such joy. He's really fun to watch play offensively and defensively. And But also, by the way, if you're watching this game and you hate the Yankees, you're like, here comes the double play. That's right. all you're thinking That's about. Because right. the, there is an out. There's been an out made. And you're, all you're thinking is like, okay, this was fun. <laughs> it's double play time. The game is about to be Exactly. Over. And that's when they go to the bullpen, not for Clay Holmes, their closer, but for Clark Schmidt. Right. A person who we're pretty sure doesn't exist. No, there's no person <laughs> named... Clark Schmidt is the guy who, who handles my stables. Oh, that's right. It's Yeah, well, I know him as Sir Clark. <laughs> I didn't realize his last name was Schmidt. This is a guy who, if you're a connoisseur of, of New York Yankees baseball, you are aware of. Yes. You don't think of as, oh, here comes Clark Schmidt to end the game. <laughs> no, no. You you know he exists, yeah. sort of. If you're not a Yankee, you've never heard of him. Right. Right. You're not a Yankee fan. You're like, what? Who are they calling them? What is this? He. So he's. this is his third year in the big leagues. Yes. He had a good year. He was 5-5. Five and five. He had a 312 ERA through 57 innings. Sort of a weird starter reliever mix. Yeah. Like yeah. He had a, a basically a 2-1 to one strikeout to K, a walk ratio, yes. which isn't what a, you want from a closer. No. And he, he, he doesn't have a good fastball. He doesn't yeah, even use he, his fastball. It is an odd choice unless Clay Holmes is absolutely been ruled out. Right. Which I, apparently they're going to say he was. At least in However, Boone's he run, does yeah. not say he was ruled out. No. He says he was ready to go. By the way, Clark Schmidt spells his name, his first name with an E. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> Clark Schmidt faces Ahmed Rosario. Clark Schmidt, this is not a joke. He does not throw his fastball. He he throws a slider. His slider is his number one pitch. He's also got a knuckle curve. So he does not throw the fastball very much. Right. And he he got, it was one and one to Rosario, and he decided to throw his fastball. For the only time in the entire inning, he threw his fastball. And... Uh, Calling the game was Ron Darling, and and Ron Darling said this, and and this is I love the way he described this. He said he threw a two seam fastball, and it didn't get there, <laughs> which, which I think is delightful. It did not get there. Rosario cracked it in the left field for a base hit, scoring one run, putting runners on first and second. Delightful. Yes, but you're still thinking here comes the double play, right? And now step up's Jose Ramirez, which if you're a Cleveland fan, you're like, all right. Jose if we're going to win this game, right, it's because we're going to do it right now. Yeah. That's right. There's nothing, there's, the only way that this can happen is if Jose Ramirez does something incredible. So here's what Jose Ramirez does. He hits an absolute. Dying I, quail. Oh my God. Here's what I called it. In, when I wrote about it at, at JoePoznanski.com, you can go see it. I said it was a blue because it was not a full bloop. <laughs> right, because it did not get out of the infield. It was just a complete little, just just little, just went over the mound and never got out of the infield. Nope. But he hit it to the exact right. Kiner Falafa was shading him around the second base side of yep. second, and he had to run all the way back and managed to corral the ball before it hit the outfield. <laughs> it never grass. got to the outfield for yeah. to grass. Uh, but it's a but it but it's a single. That's an infield single. Pause for one second. This is bad for an audio medium, but I have called up on my screen pictures of three Yankee pitchers. <laughs> Clark okay. Schmidt. Yes. A, a Clay Holmes. Yes. And uh, and the other one, I don't even remember who it was. <laughs> uh, who would it be? It, oh, Jameson Tyon. And Jameson Tyon. Okay, do you know which of these three people is any of those three people? Yes, I believe the person on the left is Jameson Tyon. Incorrect. <laughs> 
The person in the center is definitely Clark Schmidt. Incorrect. And the person on the right, unquestionably, is Clark Schmidt. <laughs> on the left is Clark Schmidt. The center is Clay Holmes. On the right is Jameson Tyon. Now that I'm looking at Clark Schmidt, he does look like a Clark Schmidt. Yeah, he has a Clark Schmidt essence. <laughs> he does. I invite all of you at home to call up pictures of Clark Schmidt, Jameson Tyon, and Clay Holmes. Play three-card Monty with them and then try to remember which one is which. Try to remember which one is which. I, I love it. They're all... Ugh. I'm going to tweet about this right now. <laughs> Bases loaded, one out, Yankees up by one run. Tying run on third, winning run on second. Tying run on third, winning run on second. Josh Naylor comes up, and Clark Schmidt, to his everlasting credit, throws three knuckle curves that Josh Naylor swings and misses on, and, and that's strike. And, and by the way, none of them is within... Eight inches of the plate. No, no. And not, none of none of the swings bring Naylor's bat within eight <laughs> inches of the ball. I think he fouled off the first one. And the last two, yeah. he 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 was like with not within two feet of the ball. So now it's a strikeout. And you're asked. And, and, and now you're like, okay, this was fun. This but, was fun, but yeah. this thing is over. Bases loaded, two outs. Clark Schmidt dealing, as, as he's known to do. And upsets Oscar Gonzalez. And here's the thing about Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar Gonzalez hit the walk-off home run that sent Cleveland into this series in the first place. He hit the walk-off in right. that 15-inning scoreless game against Tampa Bay. And he's a rookie. He's a good player. Not a great player. He's a good player. Hopefully he'll be a great player. Yep. But how much? How many heroics are in the bat of he, Oscar Gonzalez? He has two walk-off hits already in the playoffs in a total of four games <laughs> right. that played. That's right. And so the natural thing to think is, that isn't he's not going to be go three for five <laughs> right in walk-off hits That's right no the no way and then very quickly schmidt gets ahead of him he gets ahead of him oh and two yeah you know, one and two one he, two. he okay. did he gets to one and two and he throws him the slider i think and gonzalez rakes it up the middle and i'll tell you what it was a terrible pitch it was, it was like pitch. it was like right like it was about a half inch well, i mean this like is six inches off the plate five inches no off the i don't plate. no 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 it, i think it was closer to the strike zone oh it was that. off the plate but the point is, is he has, he has struck Naylor out, and the Grand Naylor's left-handed. He struck Naylor out with pitches that weren't close to the. That's play. right. That's right. And this one edged pretty close it to the play. It was close to the play. I guess. And I thought Gonza- it was two inches outside. And Oscar is a big dude. Yes. And he reached his long arms out and just did exactly what you're supposed to do, which yes. is just make contact with the ball, do and- the thing the Dodgers did not do. <laughs> right. Make contact with the ball, and he drove it right back up the right middle. Right up the middle. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was incredible. I incredible. still kind of don't believe that it really happened. Two-run score, Cleveland wins the game. The Yankees are in panic mode, which, of course, means nothing. They play at 7 o'clock tonight, and will probably win, and they'll win tomorrow. We know what they're, they're the Yankees. However... See that pitch was close. Here it is. It, that's that's all, that's that's on the corner of the plate. It is a little bit. It's a, it's a little low and it's a little off the plate. Yeah. But you're right. It's closer than I thought. Yeah. In in live, it looked like I mean, it was off. Compared the plate. to the balls Naylor swung. Oh out. no, Naylor's pitches yeah. were ridiculous. They were all on top of him too. Like yeah. you have no idea why he was swinging at him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. 
This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so, so cra- now what? This is the craziest thing that happened. Maybe the craziest day, certainly the craziest playoff day in a while. The only day that I can think of offhand that was crazier from top to bottom was that famous 2011 final last day of the, day season. Of the season, which was, which was not crazy just, in a different way. Yeah. But now, so now we've got game four in Cleveland tonight, tonight, by the time you hear this, either Joe and I will have been partying all night <laughs> or we'll be sadly lamenting the fact that the Yankees won and then won in New York. And That's right. That's over. right. And now you've got the five and six seeds. The Astros, by the way, sitting back and waiting for whoever wins the series while they're fully rested. Yes. And yes. you've got the five and six seeds in the National League ready to have the weirdest NLCS <laughs> of all time. It's, it is really bizarre. It is really bizarre. And so the question is... As we as we did, as we look at this, this is the first year of this of this crazy new playoff system. Yeah, um, I think we all know the pros and the cons in the sense of, yeah, it has really devalued the regular season. Clearly, you can win as many games as you want; doesn't matter, right? Right, because you can get knocked out in five games, in three games, even like the Mets win 101 games and you're done. You know, two days later, um, is this good for baseball? I kind of think it is. Okay. So uh, I think that the, you know, my thing about the sports and their playoffs is just, does the system make sense? Right. And the way that it needs to make sense in my mind is there needs to be a reason that every slot is worth something. Yeah. So that you have, like the old NFL playoff system, to my mind, was perfect. The right. six team per league. Number one seed, home field, and a bye in the first round. Number two seed, home field in the first game and a bye in the first round. But if you play the one seed, you go on the road to them. The other two division winners play their games at home, and then the other two wildcard winners are in the playoffs. playoffs. The The new NFL playoff system is less good because there isn't that much of a difference to me between the two seed and the three seed anymore. They're the same, yeah. In the way that there used to be. The MLB playoff system now, based on the way baseball is played, Makes a lot of sense to me because the division, the two teams get buys just like in the NFL they used to. The other two division winners play a three game series in the wild card, but all three games are at home. Yes. Which is an obvious advantage. Sure. And then the other two teams sneak in as wild cards and have to go on the road, but they're in the playoffs. That's a pretty good system for baseball, I think. And I think that part of the reason it's good is it is opening the door to. Crazy stuff happening. And I kind of think crazy stuff happening is fun. The city of Philadelphia is losing its mind right yes, now. The city absolutely. of Cleveland will lose its mind if they win tonight. San Diego is losing San its Diego's mind. San Diego is losing its mind. And what you have, the the old system, I think, maybe over-rewarded the regular season. And you now have a system where San Diego 
had all these great players. They got soda. They were bold. It re- it's rewarding the boldness of going out and getting Soto, even when in the regular season, Soto kind of didn't play that well. Right. Which means that the effect he had on the team wasn't enormous. Right. But they still snuck in there, and now he is rewarding them for make for being bold. And I think that in order to encourage teams to go out and do fun things like get Juan Soto, you have to allow for you have to give those teams that that eke into the playoffs the chance for October success. And I think they have it now. Yeah. Okay. That's I, my theory. And I'm and I'm okay with that. But I let me make the counter argument. Please. Counter-argument is you say that, that the system is pretty well set up because everybody's sort of given their advantages. But three of the four road teams in the in the best of three won. Right. Okay, so but I'm not saying... But it's, but it, no, it, but I'm saying, does that mean that that gave the better team enough of an advantage when three right. out of four win? That's a good question. And if Cleveland does pull this out, three out of the four teams that got out of the wild card are going to win. In which case you question, is that buy really good for the team? Does that really help the team? Did yeah. it help the Dodgers? Did it help the uh, the um, it's a, uh, it's a, Atlanta team? It's a good question. I, I think that the reason I think it's good is because it allows for more chaos. And I think that... Well, more... it definitely allows for more chaos. Yeah. The question is whether or not baseball should be a game of chaos. If it gave, baseball is a game of chaos, then why are they playing 162 <laughs> games? Like, that's the argument. And, and yeah. I'm not sure that I'm... Look, I... Here's how I feel about it. You know, and I've, we've talked about this many times. I don't love playoffs. I, I love regular season. I okay. want that to matter a lot more. I've given up on that dream. Yeah. Like, I understand I'm outvoted. Yeah. And being outvoted to me is not, like, I wish this, not to get political, I wish our country understood. Like, being outvoted does not mean that you walk away. Being outvoted right. means let's... Okay, let's make the best of what we got, and let's right. you know. So I'm I'm giving up on that. So I'm like, hey, maybe we should just embrace the chaos. Right. But to me, if you're going to embrace the chaos, then make the other changes. Well, that's, that are necessary. That's another reason why the NFL is so exciting. Yes. It's because the regular season is also chaos. Yes. Like right now. As we speak, the Jets have a two-touchdown lead on Green Bay in Lambeau. Which is awesome. The the Patriots are somehow beating the Browns in Cleveland. Yes. Atlanta has a two-touchdown lead over San Francisco. Yes. Uh, What else? Uh, Oh, Tom Brady is losing to Kenny Pickett. (laughs) Like, like that's... Football is the national sport in part because it involves... It's the best sport to gamble on. And it's the best sport to gamble on because it's the most chaotic sport yes. and people lose their minds and crazy things happen all the time. However, there, this is let me ask you this question. Let's talk about the NFL. Let's talk about the NBA. Okay. How often do the two best teams in the NFL make it to the Super Bowl? Never. You don't think they ever make it? Well, no. The two best, both of them being the best teams? Not one of the best or two of the best? One of the best fairly frequently. Pretty much say. every year. Yeah. But not what? not both. Like last year, the Bengals made it. They weren't the side. They weren't the other. The no, the Chiefs the were the AFC. best. Yeah, yeah. But or the Bills. They were probably the. But the Bengals Chiefs played were, the Bills, so that was like a weird. But that's the deal. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's. I think every year it's pretty true that one of the best teams in the NFL in one of the conferences makes the Super Bowl. I think that's right? usually true, and and I think there are times that the, that there look if not the two best teams, then at least you know, like one of the two. Like like if. Let's say 
like last year, if either the Chiefs or the Bills had made it, you would have said you would have said the Chiefs, best yeah. team in that in the yeah. conference. Okay, so the Bengals made it. They were not as good as either of those teams. They went into Kansas City and won. Huge surprise, huge upset. Okay, right. all right. NBA very frequently. very frequently the T- best one, one teams. seed or two seed. Yeah, right. Now let's look at baseball over the last few years. And in all seriousness, um, was Atlanta the best team? They were the best team at the end of the uh, year. They were the best team in the second half. Yeah. That's actually a better question. How often does the second half best team make this? Oh, well, see, that's a different question. now you're talking about the Nationals were the best team in the second half. The Braves last year were the best team or but, one of the best teams. But isn't that half. an argument to make the season 80 games yeah, long? Yeah, yeah, probably is. <laughs> I I mean, look, let, the NBA is the most, in terms of seeding, is, yeah. is the most. Because the one almost never loses to the eight. Right. Almost never. It's almost, it's as, as good as a bye. Yeah, it's yeah. for the most part. It, yeah. It's happened, but it's, it's it's very very frequently the case that the one seed and two seed meet in the conference championship. Yes, yes. and if they don't, and if the four snuck in there somehow, it's like the Hawks can like make noises. Right? Yeah, come on. It's gonna. It usually it's the one seed or the two seed from each from each conference. And what that tells you is a seven game series in those leagues in that sport pretty much determines the best team. Well, if you want to make it less chaotic, the way to do it is to make the wild card round the best of five. And of everything three, else the best of and seven. And everything else best of seven. You could do that. Of course, they would never do that. The only way to do that is to cut the season right. by two weeks, three weeks. Right. And, which, they, look, I'd be for that. Like if, the, if you would sacrifice your beloved regular no season because I've I'm because you've given up I've given up on that I I would embrace like to me if you're going to embrace the chaos embrace the chaos right so I would say make it a 144 game season uh, end September 8th or whatever and then hey you want 12 teams in then fine best of fives in the first round all five games on the home team right and and then best of uh, sevens. I don't know if Atlanta or uh, the Dodgers come back at a best of seven, but I think there's a pretty decent chance they do. There's a decent chance they do, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, there's a lot of NBA teams that are favored that go down 3-1 and then, or 3-2, and then come back. and come back and win. Yeah, because because if it's a 2-2-1-1-1... You know they they lose the one of the first two games at home, and well, then they now would you would you agree that home field advantage in football and basketball are more meaningful than home field advantage in baseball? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, especially when you're talking about multiple games, maybe it actually works against the home team to play all three games at home <laughs> because it's like it's like the something about like the the um, the other team can like settle in and yeah. get comfortable. It's yeah, like, well, we true. know we're here for the for the week. Yeah, you know? it's like <laughs> we don't care about the cheering. That doesn't bother us. Yeah, I did find it amusing or interesting or both that um, Aaron Judge left New York and he had a home run. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, like but this is my theory about Kershaw, right? Yeah, like get like get him when the when there is pressure on a guy. I think it's that pressure is probably felt a lot less when you're not in your home stadium. I think there's right. Well, especially they were booing Aaron Judge. Yeah. You know, which, which is amazing. He's really good work, New York. Really, really <laughs> quite, quite stunning that they, that they would do that. Um, all right. So we have no idea what's going to happen in that Padres Philly series, do we? No. But you and I both will, like, at least my feeling. Here's my theory. I don't know that anybody's stopping this Phillies team. That Phillies team feels like a runaway train to me. They feel like. Right now, they feel like that Nationals team or that Braves team last year. Yeah, it is a hundred percent on the shoulders of Bryce Harper to me. If He's Bryce Harper, so good. Bryce, Har- Bryce Harper hit an opposite field home run to make it eight three the other night. Yeah, it was it when he's hitting like that. It's like he just 
it looks like bad. Everything looks like batting practice. Absolutely, it's the most effortless. Like he reached out his bat and poked the ball right down the line to left field. A thing that, by the way, athletes did not used to be able to do. <laughs> they did not used to be able to reach out and flick a ball 370 feet nope. the other way. Nope. But they're so strong and so good. And he right now is feels like he's in a groove. I'll man. tell you like, what. There was game two. No, no. Maybe game one even of the series. Um, he had hit the home run in the last series. Like it was the first home run that he'd hit in a while, right? He only hit like two right. home runs after his shoulder injury or whatever. Um, and it was the first game of the series. And the one that, that caught me was whoever was started that game for Atlanta threw him a, like a high slider, I think. And he took a huge rip at it and fouled it back. And I thought, Oh, look out. Like, I just, <laughs> it was the way he swung. Like he was sort of like, yeah. like he's recognizing that pitch and he's like, and he just missed it, but it yeah. was like... I mean, he's a hitting savant. He's a savant, like, yeah. And when, he, when he's in one of those weird zones, it's like, it doesn't matter. Throw it low and away, he flicks it out to left, throw him up and in, he pulls it to right. He He's just on every pitch. Like, I, if he, like, he, he is a player who can carry his team through a series, and I feel like maybe he's about to do that. I just, I, he, to me, he's just crazy good and by the way you know who else is crazy good gene segura yeah gene segura. that guy is great man i love watching that guy play he is so fun he's such a he has a weird body type yes I, he does i can't quite understand how is he, he tall is he short i don't know if you told me he was five seven i'd believe you and if you told me he was six three i'd believe you he's like a weird like he, he looks like uh he looks like two really strong kids standing on each other's shoulders with a trench coat around them <laughs> He's good. Yeah. He's good. That team it's a did, fun team. I like this team. That team, they are fun. Yeah. They are really fun. That team did this, by the way, with Kyle Schwarber looking helpless. Cannot touch a bit. Helpless. But, and he's leading off for them. I he's know. leading off for them every game. I, As a Boston Red Sox fan, I'll tell you that he could show up for first, that game one in San Diego and hit three home runs. He sure like, could. He is, he is, uh, he is the, uh, the ultimate streak hitter, that guy. Yes. So I don't know. I I'll pick the Phillies just because I think I think fun, it's but, gonna be the Phillies. But also if the if the Padres like suffocate them with their pitching, and which their they bullpen, could, and Trent Grisham keeps hitting like he's hitting. I, would, I mean, I mean that that's what's fun about the chaos. If the Dodgers were playing the Phillies, you'd go like, all right, the Dodgers are probably gonna yeah, win in yeah. five because they're better and blah, blah, blah. but yeah. now it, this is coin flip city, man. This is <laughs> by, exciting. By the way, uh, we should have known all of this was happening when the Phillies took the Cardinals out. Yeah. Like, like Cardinals are, they're just, they're thieves of joy. And, <laughs> yes. and when they were out, it's like, hey, wait a minute, wait it's, a minute. The second the Cardinals were eliminated, <laughs> the clouds parted and the sun shone through, and now it's like, hey, this might be fun. Yeah, this might be really a fun series. <laughs> and then we obviously don't know what's going to happen in the Cleveland-New York series. All we can do is, no. all we can do is hope. Uh, we, can, we will not comment or celebrate or do anything except report facts. <laughs> Until and if the series concludes in the in the way that we would like it, prefer it to conclude. That's all we want. That's all we That's want. All we want. All... And we'll 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 be back to talk about that when when and if something happens. And if it doesn't, that's also a <laughs> we're not going to talk about that either. We, we'll be we'll be fine. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's crazy. So since we are doing this live, yeah. I think we ought to at least talk for a brief minute about our live happiness ratings. Yeah, because we've been watching some football, right? And you know, I don't 
I don't know that that there's been a lot. The, the first round of the first early slate of games are pretty bad. Pretty bad. But I got to tell you, first thing I thought when the uh, Steelers were leading Tampa Bay was kind of like, oh, I don't mind this. I don't mind really? this. Yeah, no, I did. I was kind of like, well, they're up by eight right now. Yeah, I, I, I kind of was. Not, oh, because you hate Brady. I, I hate, Brady. hate Brady, and I don't like that Tampa Bay team. Oh, they anymore. brought in Trubisky. They brought Trubisky back. And he's 7 for 10 for 100 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> well, sure. Not in the world. Well, I sure. If, I wonder if uh, uh, Pickett got injured or whether they just made a change. That's very interesting. You know what's going to happen? The Steelers are going to end up being 10 and 7 somehow. Oh, God. <laughs> See, that's why I know that you don't like Brady, but don't you want... The Steelers are 1 and 4. If they lose this game, their season's over. True. Their season's... I think their season's over anyway. But no, it's not. That's no, but if problem. Tampa Bay loses, they're 3 and 3. Their season's not over, but it's like... Oh, no, you're questions. crazy. You're cracking, you are cracking the door no. for the Steelers. <laughs> now, granted, the Steelers have a tough schedule. They play, well, at the Dolphins is way less of a big deal than you <laughs> Boy, oh boy. They go to the Eagles. They play the Saints. They play the Bengals. The Colts. The Falcons stink. They still have two Ravens games left. They're at the Panthers. That's pretty easy. The Raiders, who knows? And they play the Browns. So they there are some losses in that schedule. But they need they, they, this is like um, this is like the Cardinals or the Yankees like yes. their throats need to be stepped on when <laughs> they're down they're never you're, down they're and, never you're saying it's it's that uh, they're they're Glenn Close basically yes. that you cannot they're 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 still alive you as long as they're alive allow, you cannot crack the door for them you cannot no. okay well I don't mind if Tampa Bay loses I, I'm just saying yeah uh, Pickett did have a concussion in oh, that uh, game so. sorry sorry Kenny sorry Kenny. Um, I, I'm, I'm deriving much joy out of the Jets beating the Packers. <laughs> I have to say, I've, even though the Packers are wearing their cool old uniforms, yeah. I do like the unis. Um, Aaron Rodgers looks terrible, doesn't he? Well, we didn't watch that game too much, um, but uh, he he he's 26 of 41 for 247 and a touchdown. See, but in the but he missed all 15 of those passes while we were watching. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they're but they've only scored ten points. I just like Green Bay losing at home. That makes me happy. It, does, it just it, makes me. How happy about winning on the road? I mean, losing on the road. Yeah, that also makes me happy. But <laughs> but I, I, this is like the part of what I think I'm enjoying about the baseball playoffs is just new blood. Yeah, I just want new blood, and like I think the time Aaron Rodgers' time has passed. Right, you did your thing, man. You're going to the Hall of Fame. Fade away. Go away. Get out of here. Yeah, we Everybody don't like you anyway. Out of here. Like, yeah. Welcome in the the uh, the Trevor Lawrence's of the world and the and the Zach Wilson's of the world. Like it's like let's get some new let's get some new. I'm feeling okay with that. Blood. I yeah. like that. That's I like my, that. I mean, you know, here's the crazy thing as we as we speak. Baltimore is only beating the Giants by three points. Are the Giants going to win another weird? I would. Game that they I would no kind of love that. I, I would kind of love that. <laughs> would any win this week? Any win? The the Patriots are playing the Browns. The Patriots are. Super high in your happiness scale. The Browns are super low. Right. But would any game this week bring you as much joy as Nick Saban and Alabama losing on no. Saturday? No, no, not, not, even, not even close. No. Nope. So I, you know this because you were there. I was watching the Alabama end of the Alabama game. Yeah. Alabama got into field goal range, and I turned off the TV and left. Right. It was time for dinner, and I'm like. I don't even want to see them make the field goal. They, they always win these games. They never, ever fail every time. And while I'm walking to the car, I get a text from our good friend Brandon McCarthy essentially saying, 
what a weird, weak field goal that was or right. something like that. Right. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad I didn't watch it. <laughs> I'm so glad that I did not see Alabama make some sort of stupid knuckleball, ridiculous right. field goal to win the game. Come in. I think I see our good friend Jonathan Abrams. Jonathan's like, hey, how about the end of that Alabama game? I'm like, God, I hate that. I hate the, you know. <laughs> and, and we get there. And we're all sitting there around talking uh, about whatever we're talking about. It, hours later. Hours later. Like an hour goes by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At and this point. someone, someone oh, says to Tommy, who's a Georgia fan. Yes. Like, did, didn't it make you so happy when Alabama lost? Yes. At which point you I were said, confused. I said, I don't understand. No, I believe what I said to Tommy was, will Alabama ever That's lose? Right. right. Ever. And we were all confused. And you know, everybody like, was like, tonight. yeah, they lost today. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And then they ended up losing in like the most epic way ever. The guy misses the field goal. Field and then... goal wide right. Tennessee gets the ball. They move uh, twenty five yards in, in like eleven five seconds. seconds. Yeah, and then kick. And then the worst game winning field <laughs> that goal was, ever. That was the weekend. The ball field was goal. rotating somehow like a helicopter. It was like a rotor. It was he kicked it like as if it were sideways. Wow. And it snuck through. And Nick Saban being angry and losing. <laughs> Is will carry oh, me through the weekend forever. This is this, this weekend. The Yankees lost in crazy fashion. Alabama lost in crazy fashion. Yes. The Dodgers lost. These <laughs> the titans of sports all lost in, in, huge, in pretty remarkable ways. Yes, it was it was really truly incredible. And it does remind me that the happiness scale in in college football they're all negatives. Oh, Everything yeah. is negative. Yeah. Like, I don't like Tennessee. I have no... I, I was have... born in Ann Arbor and I'm a Michigan <laughs> fan, and Michigan is negative one for me. <laughs> they're all they're all, negative. they're all negative. I spoke uh, to a class at Tennessee, and the kids seemed absolutely delightful. Sure. And, of course, I'm, like, totally rooting for you, but I'm rooting for you because you're, like, a minus two, and Alabama's a minus 111, right. and that's basically... That's it. How many consecutive years would Alabama have to lose... For you to be like, yeah, I don't hate Alabama anymore. Well, I mean, people now, it's impossible to remember this, but pre-Saban, they were bad for a while. They were bad for a good while. Yeah. Yeah. And USC, when I was a kid, USC was always great. And then they were really bad for a while. And then Pete Carroll came in and then they were bad for a while. So these play these people do go these schools go into dead zones. When coaches go. When coaches go. Yes. And like LSU was amazing five years ago. Absolutely. Who knows? Oklahoma was Great and then terrible and then great, great and, and then, then terrible. terrible. Michigan, same with Michigan. Michigan was was nine and two or ten and one every year. Yes, went to the Rose Bowl every year. Then hit this terrible run. Yes. and then have only recently climbed out of it. So we will we'll find out. Like there will whoever replaces Saban won't be Saban. Right. And and NIL is leveling the playing field a little bit. Yes. So we'll find out. But I remember my friend um, when when. Uh, I who was it? Maybe it was Sotomayor was elected to the Supreme Court. Was appointed to the Supreme Court. Somebody in a writers' room I was in said like there were three women on the court for the first time, and and someone said, um, you know, uh, a, like it's weird, like one more woman or or ideally two more women on the court, and it'll be gender balanced for the first time ever. It'll be an even split. Uh, and it, there will be like equality on this gender equality on the Supreme Court. And my friend Dave said, no, gender equality on the Supreme Court would be 230 consecutive <laughs> years of nothing but women. 
and then a 5-4 split. That's right. That's and right. so I think that with something like Alabama, it would be the same thing. It would be like, as many years as Saban has been there, yes. for them to be terrible, yes. then I think we reset, and now I don't hate Alabama anymore. That seems fair. Yeah. That seems, that that's seems fair. fair. Who'd want that job? By the way, after Nick Saban, oh, plenty of people. No, they don't want it. It pays a but ton. Who should take no, it? but like who, like who could actually go into that job and win? I don't. know. It's a good question. Like, like someone. Well, there. Will, I'll bet there'd be a lot of people who like in the upper echelons of coaching who wouldn't want to take the job right. because they know what's going to happen. Right. That's They're right. Immediately compared to him, and you can't compare. You to can't him. compare to him. It's only you need a palate cleanser. You need some poor sap who's like an offensive coordinator somewhere <laughs> at like Auburn or yeah, something that's to come right. in and then be terrible and then you fire him and then you take the job. Then, then you take the then job. Then Dabo Swinney comes in and takes the job. <laughs> All right. All right, you want to go to one last meaningless thing? Yeah, sure. Let's do one last meaningless thing then this meaningless thing. This is thing. your home. You should start. I should start since my home and I'll tell you what, I'll do a little home it's thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing talk about sports and we draft things we know like how beaches are terrible places to go no hot fruit for michael no diet coke for joe the podcast it's one last have a grocery store uh, as as people will have near mm-hmm. their homes sure uh that i go to all the time and I, you've i'm sure you've seen this in la they now have like special parking spots for mothers with small children yes yes so uh, which i totally support mm-hmm. so by the front door of the of the grocery store of the supermarket there is you know obviously a couple of handicapped spots and then there are two spots for um uh mothers of small children okay then a couple of weeks ago i went and there were two more spots next to them for veterans okay so there were veterans so i am now of the i'm now convinced the soon the entire parking lot will be reserved reserved. for people who are not me you like, have to find a spot that describes, like, this spot reserved for 51-year-old yes. man, sports writer. Sports writer. They're going to be, every spot is going to be for somebody who's like, I'm jealous of because they're doing a lot more for the world than right. I am. Right, And they all deserve it, but it's going to just keep going. Like, two more spots for teachers, and then two more spots for first firefighters. Right, yeah. first responders. And then two more spots for, like... I'm uh, going to say that this is should, how, it, how it should work. It should go. And yeah. you just keep going. It should be like a stadium parking lot where there's just tiers. Like right. If you, if you have one of these professions or are this kind of person, you're tier A, you get the yes. closest. Yes, If you're not, you're next, next tier, you're tier B. Yes. Can, yeah, I, why not? Let's I just think do that, it that But way. I think that's where we're going. I think it's going to happen. And, and, right. and I think it's, and I'm all for it. Other than I don't want to park a half mile away from my, especially when they're all empty spots. There are no veterans who, right. who are who are there at the time. No mothers with small children. Um, but I like, what kind of person would you be to park in one of those spots? Oh, a terrible person, terrible and they do it all the time. <laughs> By the way, so that was my one last meaningless thing. That's what I planned on. However, I'm going to put a second meaningless thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the microphone. Okay. Because you and I just came up with a one, unless it was going to be yours. No, no, no. Yeah. Go ahead. 
we have come up with a new rule in in football. No one asks us to fix sports. <laughs> we just do it on our own time because that's the, we're superheroes. We're, but we're so good at it. Yes. And this isn't Joe came up with an excellent way to to help fix football. So here's how we're gonna fix football. Um, I don't even know what game we were watching. Was it? It was the Cleveland New England game, wasn't it? I think so. I think so. And uh, I think it was New England that was trying to field goal. Maybe I don't even remember who was trying the field goal. And it got blocked. Right. Oh, it was the Jets Packers. Oh, it was Jets yeah. Packers. Right. Field goal got blocked. And then everybody started running away from the ball as you are supposed to, right? And you said, hey, they ought to do something because, like, block field goals are cool. They ought to do something to make block field goals a little cooler. And you were talking about maybe something you could do with the line of scrimmage or whatever. Yeah. And I said, no, here's what they should do. Block field goal, one point. Yeah. One point. So the reason this is genius is the offense is trying for points. Right. But the defense has a chance <laughs> to score a point. That's right. And there's there's several great things about this. Number one, in a tie game, yes. it can go either way, <laughs> which right. is amazing. Amazing. And number two, as you know, we are fans of scoregami. Yes. There, every, every score that ends with a one is a scoregami because you can't score one <laughs> point in football. So now that opens up an entire row a of scoregami. possible 37 scoregami. to 1, 18 to 1, 14 to 1. All of these things are suddenly possible. Yes. And plus, I mean, I think we all agree if a guy misses a field goal, all right, you get no points. But if the other team blocks the field goal, that's better. Have you? Are you down with the... The things people have suggested where if you doink it in, it's worth four points. Totally. Double totally. doink is five points. Yes. Also, I think different points for different lengths is a fun idea. I'm, see, I was really for the different lengths one until the kickers got too good. Yeah. So now, like, a 55-yard field goal is like a 37-yard field I think field you'd goal. have to say it's three points from 50 yards and in or 55 yards and in. Yeah. And from 55 to 65 is four points. You, Maybe, you have to be but really... it almost like even 57-yard field goals, guys are like booming them through like they're well, nothing. Nick Folk just missed a 45-yarder. Yeah, so. but that's, then he's Nick Folk. He's Nick Folk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I would love this. The Giants just scored. They're up by four at Baltimore. I, are they going to... Are the Giants the best team in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> they're, the, they're, the, they're the weirdest winning team in the NFL. Danny Dimes, man. All right. Grew up right around here as I Grew up right around here so yeah i think it's um all right so one point for so two things this is a great rule yeah it should be adopted immediately immediately adopt this you block a field goal one point yep and uh and let's let's keep adding um we're gonna keep parking spaces yeah and keep adding parking spaces my one last meeting this thing is i'm on this i'm on this two-week journey to promote the book and it's called How to Be Perfect. It's available in stores now. Wait. I mentioned I was writing a book. No, right? you yeah. didn't. I'll, I'll fill you in later. Um, I have, of course, uh, travel-sized uh, everything. Of with course. Uh, travel-sized shaving cream, travel-sized toothpaste, travel-sized uh, uh, moisturizer, travel-sized everything. I prefer travel-sized versions of those things to regular size by a factor of 100 to 1. <laughs> I don't know why. I love... Travel, oh, travel I love size. it like nothing oh, else. Oh, they're the best. And I went to Bed Bath and Beyond before I came here, and to get like because they have a great travel size section. Sure, it's one of the most joyous shopping <laughs> trips of my life. Just this little tiny thing, and this little tiny thing, and this little tiny thing. I love them so much. Yes. And when you run out, you're bummed, but you're also like excited because now you get to buy more, <laughs> buy more little stuff. tiny travel thing. <laughs> They're so great. I actually use 
travel size toothpaste at home. Do you really? Because they're so delightful. Do you, do you just run out every week? Every week, I go out to get That's more. Terrible. Toothpaste. You shouldn't do that. That's, I'm drawing a line here. You shouldn't do that. We've talked about this, but is is the like all miniature things are better? Yeah, like we've discussed this, yeah. and we've discussed how the greatest miniature thing of all is the itty bitty Tabasco sauce. The best. The the absolute best. Absolute best. Is there any Tabasco in there? Uh, there's like one <laughs> dose. There's one dose of Tabasco. I also like um I like the itty uh, the smaller cokes or diet cokes. Oh, they're great. The, like six ounce ones. Yes, I think yes. those are great. They're all everything miniature is everything great. miniature is better. It's it's great. <laughs> it's great. So look at this. We did an actual live podcast. It's a real watershed. A real watershed. America's number one sports podcast mm-hmm. coming to you live. Coming to you live from Joe's palatial four building estate <laughs> in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you ever have the chance to tour the grounds, we don't, we don't, we don't usually. I'm tour saying them. if Joe ever opens it up, if he ever puts the home in a trust or something, yeah, the way that, like, that the could Newport, happen. Like the Newport mansions, right, right. I highly recommend you come see the cascading <laughs> grounds and the and the motion sensor fountains. It's it's uh, it's something else. We're we're proud of it. I'd say we're proud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. As always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.